Morning, Journey. Uh, a little boy went to his mother and he said, Mom, I want a new bike. And his mother looked at him and he said, Well, honey, we, we don't really have the money for a bicycle right now, but I tell you what, why don't you go ahead and pray about it and see what God does? Well, the kid had never really prayed a lot before. He didn't exactly know how to go about it. And so he went into his room and he started to think. And, and so he started out trying to bribe God. Now, and we've been there, right? We've all done it. Just admit it, all right? And he went to God and he said, God, if you give me a new bicycle, I'll be nice to my little sister forever. Well, then he thought about his sister for a little bit. And he said, you know, I'm never going to get that bike. So then he said, he said, you know, how about this, God? Let me change. He says, God, if you give me a new bike, here, here's what I'll do. If I get that new bike, I'll clean my room and I'll keep it clean all the time. And then he looked at his room and he thought, you know, getting this bike's going to be a lot harder than I thought. So then he had another idea. It, it hit him like a, a flash of brilliance. He looked across the room in his house and he saw on top of the mantle the statue of the Virgin Mary. And so he walked over and he gingerly took the statue off. He wrapped it carefully in some tissue paper. He put it in a box. He put the lid on, made sure it was safe and secure. He put it under his bed gently, tied the box with a string. And then he got on his knees and he went to God. And this is what he prayed. He said, dear God, if you ever want to see your mother again, I'd get that bike. <laughs> You ever struggle with how to pray? It seems like a weird question in church, right? But, but honestly, do you ever struggle with how to pray? Do you wrestle with how do I go before God? Do you wrestle praying out loud or praying with other people? Do you, do you just wrestle having that quality prayer time? Do you ever feel like you're shortchanged in your prayer life? This morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 18. So if you want to go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 18, we're going to look at two parables that Jesus gives us about prayer. And when we struggle to pray, what we're going to see in these two parables is that when you and I struggle with prayer, what we're really struggling with is what we believe or know to be true about God or what we know and believe to be true about ourselves. Uh, let's dig in. In Luke chapter 18, we're going to read maybe a familiar parable to many of you. Jesus tells this story of what the Bible calls the persistent widow. And he told this parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. Jesus said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. There was a widow in the city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterwards... He said to himself, though I neither fear God nor I respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'm going to give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. Will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? He said, I tell you, he will give justice to them and he'll do it speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith? on the earth. And my favorite part of this parable is Luke does us a real good favor, right? Like most of the time we read Jesus's parables, he tells this story, and then what happens is the disciples come and say, Jesus, what did you mean? And, and the, sometimes they're ambiguous. Luke says it right off the bat. Luke says, here's the deal. Jesus told a story, and this is what it's about. <laughs> he said it's about praying and not giving up. He says this parable is about knowing to always pray and not lose heart. And we read this parable, and I think the temptation 
is to think that what Jesus is telling us is that if we just nag God long enough, he'll give us whatever we want. Like that seems to be at face value what the parable's about, right? If I can just bug God, if I can be that kid, you know, like when your kids go, dad, 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 right? Eventually God will just go, shut up! And then he'll give you what you want, right? That's not what he's talking about, though. In fact, Luke 18, this parable is really a story of contrast. What, what Jesus is, is teaching us this morning with prayer is that this, is, this judge is the complete opposite of the God that you and I go to. What Jesus is telling us is that when we see this widow and this judge, they are completely different. It's a completely different circumstance. It's a completely different set of rules. It's a completely different situation than when you or I, as followers of Jesus, go to God in prayer. Let me explain. In the story... The woman is a complete stranger to this judge. In the parable, this woman and this judge, they have no relationship. They don't know each other. There's no connection whatsoever. She's going to ask something of someone who has never met her and she has never met. Yet when we go to God in prayer, we, we are children of God. We're created, we're shaped, we're formed by God. We've been redeemed by Jesus and we've been adopted into God's family. We are completely different than the widow. In the story, this widow has no normal everyday access to the judge. In fact, in Jesus' day, it would be almost unheard of for a widow to get an audience with a judge. Women were held in a lower standard in Jesus' day, and widows especially. Widows needed someone who would advocate for them, who could get them a hearing before a judge or an administrator. This widow almost would have no access. In fact, most scholars believe she probably had to bribe someone every time that she went just to have the judge hear what she wanted to say. But you and I, on the other hand, because of Jesus, we have everyday open access to God the Father anytime we want. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul talks about this. In Ephesians 2, starting in verse 13, this is what Paul says. He says, in Christ Jesus, you and I who once were far off have been brought near because of the blood and death of Jesus. For he himself is our, is our peace. He has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. He abolished the law of commandments expressed in ordinances so that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, making peace. And that he might reconcile you and me, reconcile all of us both to God in one body through the, cry, through the cross, thereby killing hostility. He came and he preached peace to everyone who was far off and to peace to those who were near. For through Jesus, Paul says, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. He says we are no longer strangers or aliens, but we are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Don't miss that this morning. This widow would have no access to the judge. And yet our situation, because of Jesus, we're adopted into the family. We're going before someone who has adopted us into his family. In Hebrews chapter 10, the writer says, Brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that Jesus opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, now we should draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our body washed with pure water. 
Scripture is exceedingly clear that when you and I go in prayer to God, we are going before someone who has created us, formed us, shaped us, redeemed us, and adopted us and welcomed us. It's totally different than the story Jesus tells. But there's more. <laughs> this widow, this woman had, according to Scripture, at least the story we're given, she had no friend, no family member, nobody who would go with her, no one to help her, no one to bring her before the court, no character witness to tell the judge that she deserved what she's asking for. But as Christians, you and I, when we go to God, the Bible tells us that Jesus is actually our advocate. He's like the lawyer who represents us before the throne of God. So not only does God welcome us, unlike the widow and the judge, but Jesus goes with us and helps plead our case. The widow had no promises from this judge that she could claim. No hope in his character, no history of truth. She's going to someone who honestly has some questionable character. He even admits he has no fear of God, no fear of man. There's no history between him and this woman. There's nothing that she can look at and go, you know, I saw this one time where the judge did this for me. I bet he'll do it again. The judge had never made some promise that she could go, remember when you said this? She had nothing. And yet when you and I pray, when we go to God, we can open his word and we can claim hundreds of promises from God. When we go to God and say, God, would you forgive me of that sin? We have a whole history and all kinds of promises of Scripture that tells us he will. When we go to God and ask for peace that doesn't make sense in the world around us, we have promises from God that says that he can. When you and I go to prayer, we can go to the Word and we can claim and see hundreds of promises that God has made. We can see the character of God. We can see the history of God who is just and merciful. And we can have hope not because of what we're bringing to God, but because of the one that we're bringing it to. And that's completely different than what this widow had. One more this morning. This widow came to a court of law with her request. I mean, that's the reality. In the story, she's going to a court of law asking, according to certain rules, to be given something that she doesn't know if the judge will grant. She comes to a court of law. Scripture tells us that when we go to prayer before God, we're not going to a court of law with a judge. We're going to a throne of grace with a merciful king. Those are completely different things. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, the writer says, Since we have a great high priest, talking about Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, that because of him we should hold fast to our confession, that we believe he is who he says he is. For we do not have a high priest. We do not have one who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses and our struggles. Instead, we have one in Jesus who was tempted in every way and yet without sin. So we should have confidence. We, he says we should with confidence draw near to the throne of grace so that we can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus is telling a parable of contrasts. The point about prayer in this parable is not nag God until he just goes, fine. <laughs> That's not what he's talking about. Jesus is telling, he tells a story about a woman who got what she wanted or what she needed by constantly pestering a judge. And then Jesus says, if that worked, 
How much more with a God who is merciful, full of grace, who created you, redeemed you, and saved you? See, see, God is nothing like this judge. God is a loving father. He's attentive to your every word, to our every cry. He's generous. He's concerned about our needs, and he is always available and ready when we call out to him. Jesus' point about prayer this morning is that if a judge like this listens and responds to an anonymous widow who he has no relationship with whatsoever, how much more will God respond when you and I ask him? See, see, the reality is when you and I struggle with prayer, it's not because we necessarily because we don't know how to pray or because maybe we're just not, you know, we're, I just don't know if I'm ready to pray. Or, I mean, I'm not negating any of those things, but the reality is when you and I struggle with prayer, it's because we forget the one that we're praying to. When you and I struggle with prayer, it's because we don't have a right belief of the God that we come to. See, when we understand who God is, when we're reminded that he's a loving, grace-filled, merciful father of justice and goodness, instead of an anonymous judge who doesn't care, that breeds confidence when we pray. When I struggle with prayer, it's not so much about my inability to pray, if I'm being honest. When I struggle with prayer, it's because I've forgotten who God is. See, see, the hard part for me, and maybe for you this morning, though, is, is that consistency part. That, that there are moments in my life, if I'm being honest, where my prayer life is so good. And then there are moments that it is just in junk. It's just terrible. It, it's, it's that not losing heart part that, that Luke talks about. It's, it's that idea of praying for something for so long where it seems like God is never going to answer like, like, I'll be honest, every year I sit down about this time of the year and I look back at notes from books I've read and I spend time in prayer with God and I'm trying to figure out, like, what did God do this year and what's he leading me to do next year and what are areas of my life that need to improve? And I'll be honest, every year I feel like my prayer life is just short of what God wants it to be. And most of the time it's in this realm. It's this idea of, of, of believing that God will answer Every time I read this parable, I think of a woman named Patty. Uh, Patty went to the first church that I ever served in. Uh, she was an older lady in her 70s. She always sat right here in the front of the church every week, and she always had something to say to me after every church service. Not always good. And uh, <laughs> she's great. Um, Jesus loves her. And, uh, and so... One Sunday, um, we were sitting there, and every, in about once every six or seven weeks, her husband would come with her. And, and I had met him, and he just kind of seemed like a guy who faith was maybe a part of his life, but it wasn't super important. And, and Patty was an incredibly faithful woman. And so every Sunday, she would come, and she would sit there. And one Sunday, I was actually preaching that week, and her husband came with her. And he's walking in the church, and she's ahead of him, and he pauses. And this is a guy who never says anything, all right? And he's walking in, and he says, hey, just a heads up. I'm like, yeah? He goes, I'm coming forward today to give my life to Jesus. Don't tell my wife. <laughs> I'm like, all right. And they just kept walking like it was like, hey, just so you know, I'm having a ham sandwich later. And like, you know? And I was like, okay. And so he comes forward at, at our church, and uh, we baptize him into Christ. And I see his wife, and she is weeping. This is a lady that's not overly emotional. And I thought, oh, she's so excited. She's so happy. And I went up to her after church, and I said, Patty, I just love seeing tears of joy 
for you when, when your husband came forward. And she said this to me. She said, Justin, some of it was joy and some of it was guilt. I said, Patty, what does that mean? She said this. She said, I have prayed for 50 years for him to come to know Jesus. And I almost quit this year. I said, what do you mean? She said, I prayed for 50 years and this was the year where I just kept telling God, 50 years and you don't answer. And I almost quit praying. And she said, I feel guilty because there was a part of me that quit believing God would answer. Notice what she said. She didn't say she quit because she couldn't figure out how to pray. She didn't quit because of things around her. She quit because she almost quit believing that God was who he said he was. Bible commentator uh, Thabiti Annabelle says this. He says, do not grow weary in prayer, Christian. But remember, a good God is always listening. A good God who does not fear man a good God who will respond out of his goodness in his time to provide for his people. And I don't know about you, but often I forget that God's definition of speedy is different than mine. That God's definition of time is different. And that God's definition even of what's best for me might be different. So when you and I struggle with prayer, it's really a struggle with me remembering that God is faithful and good. Well, Luke goes on, and he tells a second, or Jesus tells a second parable in verse 9. It says, he also told this parable, two men, verse 10, went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, prayed this way. He said, God, I thank you. I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector right over here. I fast twice a week which is more than was required. I give tithes of everything that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. The tax collector beat his breast and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you that this man went down to the house justified, the tax collector, rather than the other man. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And Jesus tells a second parable about prayer that is all about contrast once again. And this one's a little more obvious, right? Like we understand that Jesus is contrasting one man against another. And this Pharisee stands in the presence of God as if he doesn't even need to humble himself before God. This Pharisee stands before God and he seems, he seems to think that the way he has lived his life is what will make him acceptable before God and what will get him what he wants. And, and that's how Pharisees genuinely lived and believed when we read Scripture. Like every time we read a story about a Pharisee, usually it's because they believe that they were worthy and deserving of God's grace because of how they've lived their life. They believed that, that their religious performance, the way that they acted, would earn them the right to honestly demand of God whatever they wanted. And often they did it in a way that demeaned everybody else in the process. No, notice in this parable, if you read it, this guy uses the pronoun I five times in a one-paragraph prayer. That should probably tell you what you need to know this morning. See, he's not asking God for anything. Did you notice that? He never asks God for anything in prayer. He tells God all the reasons he should get whatever he wants if he does ask. He doesn't go to God and tell him how great God is. 
He doesn't go to God and confess any sins, certainly. He doesn't go to God and, and talk about something he's prayed about before. He doesn't even ask God. He goes to God and says, God, I just want to remind you, <laughs> I'm pretty great. And in case you didn't know, look at the guy over here, because <laughs> I look a lot better than this guy. But that's what Pharisees did. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. He's talking about the Pharisees. He says, they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners and big public displays so that everybody can see them. He says, I tell you, they've already received their reward. But then on the other hand, you have the tax collector. And you know, if you've been in church for a while, tax collectors were looked down on by all in society. And the tax collector simply comes to the throne and he says, have mercy on me, a sinner. He offers no excuses, no rationalization, no proof that he deserves mercy, no defense of what he's done. He simply and humbly comes before God and admits he's a great sinner who desperately needs the mercy that he doesn't deserve. It's a contrast of two completely different people. But the question for you and me this morning is when we pray, which one do we most resemble? If we're honest this morning, which one most closely resembles you or me? When I come before God in prayer, do I most often admit that I have no reason for him to answer? Or do I spend a lot of time convincing God how great I am and why he should give me what I want? It's a story of contrast. See, I believe that the real struggle in prayer is one of two things. It's the first parable, either I have forgotten or I don't recognize who I'm praying to. It's a struggle of belief about God or, or maybe and, it's a struggle to recognize and believe who I truly am before a holy God. The question of this parable is do I recognize that I am a sinner desperately in need of grace or do I believe the lie that I'm something else? <laughs> the story's told of Frederick, the great king of Prussia, and he went in to inspect the Berlin prison as he walked through these hordes of prisoners, shackled men that fell, pleading his feet one after one, pleading their innocent, telling him they didn't do what they were in there for, and would he grant their release? And they claimed over and over they'd been falsely accused, and they were models of virtuous living, completely innocent of all crime. And the story says that there was only one man in the prison who didn't do this. Supposedly, there was a man that Frederick called out to him. The, the guy wasn't even at the, at the gate or whatever. He said, he said, come here. He said, why are you here? And the prisoner says, well, I robbed a man, your majesty. And the king said, well, are you guilty? He said, yep, I did it. Well, supposedly, according to the story, Frederick turned around to the guard, and he pointed at that man who had confessed, and he said, release this man immediately. And the guard said, what? Why? He admitted he was guilty. He said, I know. And he said, I cannot have this scoundrel thief kept where he might corrupt all these other fine, innocent men. <laughs> and he let him go. He let someone go who was guilty, and yet he set him free. Let me say that again. He was guilty, and yet he was set free. See, the truth is that when, sometimes when we struggle with prayer, it's because we come to God as if, we've, if we're innocent and we deserve whatever he has. And I think many times, at least me, maybe not you, 
I need reminded that when I come before God, I'm a guilty man who's been set free. Jesus goes on in a couple verses as we get close here to the end. It says, now they were bringing infants to Jesus so that he could touch them. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked these people. But Jesus called to them and he said, let the little children come to me. Don't hinder the children from coming to me, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Jesus said in verse 17, he said, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. Tim Keller, the Bible scholar, says this. He says, kids are models of kingdom citizens, not because they're gullible and weak and they don't know anything. He, he says, kids are actually model kingdom citizens because they are still humble. Kids don't seek rank or position. They freely recognize that they need help. And so they come to God with their hands in the air and say, Daddy, pick me up. Church, if you're here this morning and you sit there and go, this was great, but I still don't know how to pray. <laughs> well, here's my answer. Do what a kid would do. And go to somebody who knows, like God, <laughs> and ask him to help. My advice would be, be like a child. And just go to God, and if all you can pray is, Dad, please help me, that will be enough. In fact, Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit will help us when we don't know how to pray. In Romans 8, it says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Paul says, we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. He searches our hearts. He knows what is the mind, God who searches hearts and knows what the mind of the Spirit is because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Paul promises us that when you and I don't know how to pray, if we just come to God and pray whatever we can, the Spirit will take that and translate it into something that God needed to hear. Jesus will go with you when you pray and advocate for what you ask. He'll advocate on your behalf, and the Spirit will transform what you say. If you don't know how to pray this morning, then start praying like a kid. And I think the best thing about kids for me is kids just ask, even when the request seems ridiculous, right? Kids come to their parents and ask for things that nobody else would ever ask for. And kids pray in a way that I would never pray. Because kids believe in things that seem too good to be true. Bob Russell tells the story of sitting with a very wealthy man named Paul Meyer, millions and millions of dollars, and his lawyer of this man was sitting with them, and the lawyer of Paul Meyer told this story about how the previous summer, the two of them had traveled on this great trip several hundred miles, and during these two days, this rich millionaire, Paul Meyer, had decided to offer 10 teenagers along the way a full scholarship to college if they'd just call him. So he said they traveled this distance, and there was only one out of 10 teenage girl who believed him and took him up on his offer. She was actually working on a highway construction place, and they were stopped and waiting for her to turn the stop sign so they could go. And so Paul Meyer, Meyer rolled down his window to this girl who's at the front holding the stop sign, and he asked her, he said, young lady, why are you working construction? It's pretty hot out. He said, well, I'm trying to get enough money to go to college. She said, I have a dream of becoming a nurse someday, but my parents can't afford to send me yet, so I'm working. 
So Paul handed her his business card, and he said, young lady, I'm in the business of making dreams come true. Call this number, and I'll pay your way through college. He made nine other offers on that trip. Nobody called him. But this young lady, the next week, this girl who had been working construction and got a business card for some random weird dude while he's driving down the road calls. And the receptionist picks up and she says to this person, she says, you know, last week some old man gave me this card and said he'd pay my way through college if I called this number. Is that actually true? And the lady said, yes, ma'am, it is completely true. And he paid her way through college and today she's a nurse in a Midwestern hospital. As the band comes to lead us this morning, Journey, do you see that when we talk about prayer that it's for everyone? But it comes down to what you believe. It's not about having the right words. It's not about having the right position. It's not about having read your Bible cover to cover 57 times. It's not about anything that you do. It's about what we believe. It's about what we believe and know to be true about our loving Father who is always ready to listen. And it's about what we believe about you and me who we know we are simply guilty people set free. Really, like everything else in Scripture, it all comes back to Jesus. See, Jesus is the one who opens the way to God so that you and I can pray. And Jesus is the one who took your guilty life and mine and set us free. So this morning, if you have questions about prayer, my answer to you would be simply this. I don't really know what your questions are, but I do know that you need to answer your question about Jesus. If you're here this morning and you struggle to pray, or you, you can't think of how prayer can't be for everyone, God must not listen to me, or I don't know how to do this. If you have questions about prayer, I'm sure there's 50 different ones, and I'd love to talk about that someday, but here's the reality. The question you and I have to answer is what do we believe about Jesus? Because if I believe that Jesus opened the way to God and that he stands with me when I pray, well, then I'll pray anything I want. Because God's not going to judge what I pray. He's going to listen like I listen to my kids. And there might be things I pray that God, like I do, goes, oh my gosh. Right? But he's going to love me in the midst of that. And he's going to change me. And I believe that God is faithful to do what he says. Because if God would let Jesus hang on the cross and die for your sins and mine, then what else wouldn't he do that is for us and our good? So Journey, my, my question for you this morning is not how do you pray or when do you pray or how much do you pray? My question for you this morning is what do you believe about Jesus? And do you believe that he is who he says he is? And do you believe that he did what he said he did? And if you do, and you're a follower of his, then you should never feel weird or guilty or ill-equipped to go before the Father in prayer. Because it's not about you, it's about what Jesus has already done. And if you're here this morning, and you're not sure what you believe about Jesus, boy, would we love to talk to you about that. If you're here this morning and you've never went all in with Jesus, you could do that today or we'd love to visit with you as well. We just invite you to consider Jesus this morning and to let him take you by the hand as you go to the Father with every need, concern, and thought in your life.
Let's do that as we worship this morning. Let's stand and sing.